This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Twice a month, we bring you our series on architecture and history in in and around Chicago. Things and places that make you pause in your day-to-day and ask, hey, what is that building? So today we head to Chicago's biggest high school, which is Lane Tech in North Center, to learn about a local unsung hero who broke down barriers in college and professional sports. And in October, there's going to be a new dedication in his honor, more than a century later. So joining us now with the story is, of course, architecture sleuth Dennis Rodkin. Hey, Dennis, good to see you. Hi, Sasha. How are you? I feel like it's been forever. It has. We d- <laughs> Yeah, it has. It, it has. Um, so the place that we are focusing on for today's What's That Building, Dennis, is not actually a building per se. It's a field. Yeah, there's a building there, but this is a slight cheat because what's actually being renamed is the lawn surface of the football field at Lane Tech Stadium. It's a field. It's not even the story about the field so much as it is about who the field is going to be named for. So why don't you tell us what you found? He's a fascinating man, and, and those who know him know what a great character he was in Chicago sports history. Frederick Douglass Pollard, better known as Fritz Pollard, Graduated from Lane Tech in 1912, and at that time the school wasn't even where it is now. It was at Division in Sedgwick. So oh, okay. this football stadium or this lawn at the football stadium that is being renamed for him isn't where he played. But when he was at Lane, he played three sports: football, basketball, track. He was black, and when you look at the um, yearbook photos from the time, he's the only black athlete on those teams. He goes on after Lane. Many people know he became. Uh, one of the two first professional, uh, two first black players in what became the NFL. Mm-hmm. He becomes the first black coach of a pro football team. And uh, he also, he was the first black athlete to play in the Rose Bowl while he was in college. Um, really a trailblazer. My goodness. And all along the way, he's getting called names and um, fighting against the sorts of things that happened at that time. Meanwhile, he's a superstar in football. Baseball or was it basketball and track? Uh, football, baseball, and track. Football, at baseball, Lane. and track. Yeah. Um, what a legacy at, at Lane Tech. It really is. And so the interesting thing is it's been since the 1990s, shortly after his death. He died in 1986. Um, and shortly after that, one of the coaches at Lane said, you know, we've got to memorialize this man. He did so much, but it has taken all this time finally to make it happen. And earlier this year, it was decided that the again the the football field not the football stadium would be renamed for him it was going to be renamed in september at homecoming but lane hasn't had an in person homecoming for a couple of years that's right so rather than get in the way rather than sort of in, get in the way of the students excitement they moved this ceremony to october 1st um to honor a man who graduated from the school in 1912 110 years Jeez. earlier and I don't want to miss this point that you've you've made here, Dennis. You know, Pollard didn't just break barriers in high school and college sports. He broke them in professional sports as well. And he went pro in 1919, which does not sound like it would have been the most progressive of times for a black man in sports. It, it was not. Um, it's very interesting because reading the old newspapers, I find him as a as a college student described as – um, there was an, a national an article that went out over newswires nationally and shows up everywhere, describing him when he's playing for Brown as extremely fast, and his head and footwork is something marvelous. Yet, while playing at uh, playing for Brown at Yale, he has to run in through a different gate from all the white players, mm. which is you know we now know there were a lot of crazy 
justifications for segregation. But like, I don't really know what that accomplishes. You have to run in this other gate. Everybody else runs in the main gate. But so he's facing that. And then, yes, he faced a lot of racism as a professional. And according to him, according to an article where he was um, quoted, quoted at length, yeah. uh, one of his primary nemeses was George Hallis, who founded the team that became the Chicago Bears. It was when he was coaching the Decatur Staley's which become the Chicago Bears, that George Hallis is basically opposing him, refusing to play uh, after playing one game that Fritz Pollard was in. Hallis refuses to play other games with him year after year and eventually is, is according to a lot of the historians, one of the ringleaders in um, freezing black players out of the NFL entirely in the 1930s. Wow. And, and Fritz was just one of two black players in the, in the newly formed NFL yeah, at the time. Yeah, in 1919, he's playing, he's playing for the Akron Professionals in, uh, in Akron, Ohio. Um, they were part of what was called the American Professional Football Association, which later becomes the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so he had been coaching for Lincoln University, which is an HBCU in Pennsylvania, where his brother had also coached. And he's recruited to come first play for the Akron Pros. And the next year, he is both playing and coaching the Akron Pros, they have an undefeated year. Uh, that's 1920. Yeah. And that's when George Hallis, who's got this team in Decatur, says, hey, let's do an exhibition game in Chicago. And the game ends as a tie. But then from then on, um, Hallis refuses to play on bo- uh, play against first the Akron and then the Milwaukee teams that Pollard mm-hmm. is coaching. My goodness. So, again, first black head coach in yeah. the NFL. A lot of firsts. For, for Pollard. Uh, he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1954, according to your story, Dennis, uh, and the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2005. So very well decorated. Very distinguished character. I mean, just the idea. And, and so once again, he also he played at the Rose Bowl. He plays in the Rose Bowl in 1915 for Brown. Yeah. Um, and they won. Uh, and he... he so he's he's you know breaking ground every time, um, but then there's this freeze out, and uh, he ends up he ends up coaching an all black team called the Brown Bombers because blacks at that time at, at this point in the 30s can't play in the NFL. But then he leaves. He finally football sort of loses its appeal, and he becomes a, a record producer, a music producer, and a talent agent and a newspaper publisher. All that happens in New York. My goodness. You're listening to Reset. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons, and we're talking with architecture sleuth Dennis Rodkin about Fritz Pollard Field. That's the latest in our series, What's That Building? So I want to talk about this dedication that I mentioned to Pollard. Um, Lane Tech is actually going to name the football field after him. Why are they dedicating this field to him now? Well, let me first say, Sasha, I just realized I misspoke. Brown did not win uh, the, Rose Bowl. the Rose Bowl. They had won every game the previous the season that led them to the Rose Bowl. They lost to Washington. Just want to correct Thanks that. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, so during COVID, uh, the Alumni Association of Lane started really looking into the history of the school, and, and Fritz Pollard's name has always sort of been in the ether around Lane. Lane often calls itself the School of Champions. There are a lot of other sports pr- professionals who've gone to the school as well as uh, other public figures. And they started talking about, you know, we don't really have any recognition for Fritz Pollard. And when you look around, there's there's really very little recognition. He's there is now an award at the NFL named for him and, and those kinds of things. But 
Um, the Alumni Association, which is led by a woman named Michelle Weiner, started saying, you know, we really should get back on this thing that was going on in the 1990s and, had, and again, had been sort of percolating ever since. And so the, it, it, as people describe it, it became sort of obvious and essentially unanimous. Yeah, of course we should. So all these years, there's this push from Lane Tech alumni to, to honor Pollard. Right. Why do you think it took so long to just give the man his flowers? Well, I guess I think there probably needed one. Well, let's use a football metaphor. I think there needed to be one person to quarterback the idea and really keep it going until it actually happened. I um, I tried to reach the principal of the school to find out a little bit about the process for her. Yeah, and good idea. I didn't hear back from her. But the one thing we do know, let's go back to the fact that only the field is being named. The idea was to name the stadium, but it turns out Chicago Public Schools doesn't allow you to name a building, or I'm sorry, it doesn't allow you to name an outbuilding after a person. So that's why the field. Who is knew going that to was be, a rule? Yeah, <laughs> right. But um, you know, right in front of the stadium, there's a the way the stadium was built in 1940. There's there's a little pedestal that could use a statue. Good thought. Uh, you know, uh, this makes me think about Jackie Robinson. Right, we all know right. his role in in, in uh, integrating baseball uh, back in the 40s, 1947. But Fritz Pollard broke that color barrier in professional football, you're saying, in 1919, in 1919, Dennis. How come his story isn't as big as a Jackie Robinson, per se? Well, I think probably we were more ready to hear the story when Jackie Robinson comes along in the 40s. So just the fact that time had passed? Time had passed. And one of the things um, Michelle Weiner from the Alumni Association pointed out to me is um, – Fritz Pollard is integrating football. Fritz Pollard and one other man are integrating football the year Jackie Robinson was born. It's so long before Jackie Robinson. But it also was a very short-lived sort of a thing because mm-hmm. they played for really from 1919 into the very early 1930s. There were a few black players. And then there's this um, freeze-out where black players aren't allowed to play. When the NFL came back uh, in, the, in the 2000s, the NFL really began sort of talking about that, this, and it's now acknowledged. But in the 20th century, it was more of a – I don't want to say secret, but it was just something people didn't really talk about. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, blacks weren't allowed in the NFL from the night. They were actually in the NFL and then pushed out. Mm-hmm. Like a dirty secret. Yeah. Fritz Pollard comes from a pretty impressive family, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing when you read about them. So the family lived on Lunt Avenue in Rogers Park. And there's another effort to name the park that is immediately next door to their house for the Pollard family, not just for Fritz. They bought the house in 1886 and they owned it for 90 years until 1976. There were so there's Fritz, who whose accomplishments we've described. There was the first black woman to uh, graduate from Northwestern was one of his sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, one of his brothers, uh, before he did, played football for Dartmouth, which is sort of essentially leads to him playing for Brown. And another brother was one of the first black filmmakers in America. Um, they were the family was clearly about education, full of accomplishments and achievements. And so there is this, as well as naming the field for Fritz Pollard, there's yeah. an effort to name the park next door to the old Pollard Interesting. house. And that that move is in part led by the people who live in the house next door where the Pollards lived. There is a, there's a plaque in front of their house on, on Lunt that says the Pollards lived here and, and explains a little bit of what their 
What got you to want to look into Fritz Pollard Field in the first place? I'm curious. You know, honestly, um, I think you know I also do some work for WGN, the WGN Morning News. You and, do? Yeah. I'm kidding. And, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. And, You're um, only allowed to be here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, and I get there early and go for a walk just because to beat traffic. And I kept seeing the stadium, you know, and I start researching the stadium and uh. – this comes out. You're like, what's going? What is that what building? What is that building? What is that piece of lawn? <laughs> what is <Yeah>. that? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, so, when is the official dedication? October first. October first. What other buildings or, or slices of history do you have on your radar? You know, the next... there's one I'm. Or dying... do you need our help? We I... can we can get voicemails from our listeners too. Yes, I would love listeners to call in. Um, there's also there's one I'm really fascinated by that has this great Civil War history connected to the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, the owners of the bu- – I've been trying to get into the building for over a year. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're listening and they'll call me back. But I've, I have called and emailed for over a year because it's a, it's a building I think everybody in Chicago should be talking about. Yeah. Well, that is Dennis Rodkin with Crane Chicago Business. You can find out more about the Fritz Pollard Field and see photos right now on our website, wbez.org. Thank you so much, Dennis. Thanks, Sasha. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.